Dear listeners, welcome to the podcast of the European Reference Network, GuardHeart, the ERN of rare and complex heart diseases in both adult and pediatric patients across the European Union. Today we have two guests, Professor Fabrizio Drago, pediatric cardiologist and main representative of Bambino Jesus Children's Hospital in Rome, and Ilaria Casoli, she's a cardiologist and electrophysiologist in uh, the same hospital as well. Uh, welcome, Fabrizio and Ilaria. Thank you very um, much. Good morning, everyone. And, morning, everyone. <laughs> may I start to ask you the first question, Ilaria? Can you tell us briefly about your city, about Rome? Yeah, sure. Rome, as you just said, is my city. Uh, this is the city where uh, I was uh, born and where uh, I had my most of my medical uh, training. And so as such, it is particularly dear to me. I guess that Rome uh, doesn't need any particular introduction. That's the capital of Italy and also its largest city with approximately three millions of um, uh, inhabitants. Uh, giving just a little bites of history, according to the legend, uh, it was uh, uh, founded in uh, 753 BC by the two brothers and demigods, Romulus and Remus. And that means that uh, its history is quite long and ancient. And this year we uh, celebrated the uh, 2070 years of this city, which is, uh, uh, as most of you know, called the Eternal City, La Città Eterna. Um, not that much to add, everyone knows Rome, and everyone knows its fascinating and unique atmosphere in which uh, the past and the present, we can say, coexist. And by strolling in Rome, you can uh, truly feel the glory of the ancient Roman Empire, like uh, while visiting the Colosseum and maybe the Imperial Forum, you can be truly enchanted by also many other uh, architectural beauties, uh, like, uh, you know, the amazing Trevi Fountain, where um, you may um, trust it or not, but it is told that uh, if you throw a coin into that fountain, maybe uh, destiny will uh, gift you with some luck. However, Rome, as you know, as many big uh, cities in the world, is not just an open-air museum. Uh, it is also trafficated and crowded. And um, nowadays, being a, a modern Roman is not just a dream. Uh, but for sure, it can be challenging. And uh, in this way, it can teach you a different way, maybe, of facing life and dealing with it and uh, with some uh, problems, not just professional problems, we can uh, say. Great. Thank you, Ilaria. Um, and can you tell us something about your hospital, Bambino Gesù, and, and what is the main focus? Uh, well, the Bambino Gesù Children's Hospital is an um, Italian center of excellence for the diagnosis and treatment of uh, all, we can say all, pediatric diseases, rare and uh, not rare. It is uh, located on an um, extraterritorial 
territorial area, uh, which is administrated by the OLC and is um, currently recognized as one of the most important Italian and international pediatric health care centers, for sure. But for further details, uh, I will um, leave the floor to Dr. Drago. Salviati Family, an aristocratic uh, Roman family founded Bambino Jesus Children's Hospital in uh, 1869. And then 1924, this family donated the hospital to the Holy See. At the end of the 70s, the hospital was fully integrated into our national healthcare system. And in the following decades, it became a reference center for scientific research in pediatrics. I remember that in 2006, the hospital obtained the first accreditation from the GCI, the Joint Commission International, the international organization that certifies excellence in terms of quality and safety of care. Three years later, Babino Gesù Hospital became a university hospital. In 2012, the research laboratory is equipped with the latest technolo technologies for gene and cell research were inaugurated and activated two years later. In 2015, the hospital was recognized by the GCI as an academical medical center due to its extensive medical training and clinical research activity. And that's all. Thanks. Um, and why did you become a member of the ERN and in which thematic areas? Uh, seven years ago, my institution asked me as head of a cardiology and arrhythmias unit, unit to join the European Reference Network for Rare Heart Diseases because it was an institutional goal in all fields of pediatric rare diseases. I immediately thought that this could be possible, considering the number of cardiac patients treated and followed in our institution and our high quality of standard care. Of care. Then I initially applied for electrical diseases, cardiomyopathies, and rare electrophysiological conditions. And I was accepted as PI of the H. CP Bambino Gesù Hospital for these thematic areas. I recently also applied for congenital heart disease and rare heart disease, but we are still waiting for a final decision. Thank you. Um, can I ask you about uh, what you think you can contribute, and you are already contributing, of course, to the ERN? Yes, we can contribute to the ERN in several and different ways with our long-term experience in the field of pediatric cardiology, 40 years of experience since 1982, with our, I can say, very high number of patients with rare cardiac disease treated every year and in follow-up, thousands and thousands. With uh, our ability to address rare, rare heart disease in children with any type, any type of care, clinical cardiology, cardiac surgery, heart transplant, artificial hearts, interventional cardiology, electrophysiology, pacing, heart failure clinic, intensive care, sports medicine, genetics, and advanced radiological examination as CT scan and MRI. Completely dedicated. 
perfect. Um, and the, on the other side, what do you expect from the from the ERN? I expect the best from our participation in the ERN, and there is a lot of work to do, but I think it's worth it. I do believe that the network in our profession can be the one thing that really makes the difference. If I may add, I, um, I do think that the ERN could represent an extremely important chance for exchanging skills between uh, the different centers and also sharing strategies for the best clinical and therapeutic management uh, of patients suffering from rare diseases. And uh, of course, for increasing our experience. Um, I do also expect, I can say in first place, to share data, uh, patient's data, um, for patients with rare heart diseases um, with um, uh, shared registries uh, without any distrust, we can say, between our uh, healthcare providers. Second place, uh, we could initiate multicenter study on uh, natural history treatment and outcome of rare heart diseases by collecting, for example, very large uh, samples of patients and obtaining reliable and relevant results that actually cannot really be obtained from single center studies, which are quite out of date as well. And, uh, and of course, include uh, two small populations. In third place, of course, it is uh, uh, of utmost importance uh, for promoting high standards of education and training for doctors, but also patients and uh, their families. And uh, lastly, of course, uh, it uh, uh, for sure end up in more appropriate international guidelines. Great. Um, so far uh, about the ERN, and uh, now I have some personal questions to the both of you. Uh, may I start uh, with uh, uh, Professor Drago, Fabrizio, where did you train and who was your most important mentor? It's a real long story. Uh, I graduated in medicine and surgery in, at the University of Rome and uh, subsequently specialized in pediatrics, sports medicine and cardiology. I started training in the field of pediatric cardiology at the Bambino Gesù Pediatric Hospital in 1982, but the management of pediatric arrhythmias immediately attracted me. At that time, this field of interest was new, really new, and I had to dedicate myself to an obsessive study of manuals, books, and literature that contained only little data, very few data and I had to study out. You can imagine how difficult it was to deal with the, the diagnosis and treatment of pediatric arrhythmias on your own and in a world where the internet did not exist. After two years of cell training uh, and learning, I met my first mentor uh, in Naples, in Italy, Dr. Benito Musto, the only, the only pediatric electrophysiologist in Italy. He was also a very famous and on the international scene and was a fantastic teacher for me. He died seven years ago and it was a deep regret for me. In 1990, I went to Washington DC and met Professor Frank Galliotto Jr., my second mentor at Georgetown University. 
is now 81 years old and is still a special friend of mine. However, back to the, those days, cardiac arrhythmias and pediatric cardiology were completely different. The world was different. And this was a, a not so well-known field of cardiology, not only in my hospital, but also throughout the international medical community. This is the turn of Ilaria. Yes, thank you, Dr. Drago. Uh, for sure, my um, professional resume is much shorter than uh, Dr. Drago's. Um, as I said earlier, I started my medical um, training in uh, Rome. And uh, here I also had my cardiological training. But uh, what really represented a huge difference in my career and uh, really improved my skills was when I moved to the UK for my um, uh, European label uh, PhD. Uh, I, it was in 2016, I moved uh, to the Royal Brompton Hospital in London, which is, uh, as you may uh, already know, a um, very important center for uh, uh, adult congenital heart disease, mainly. And um, being exposed to such an international environment, it was uh, really stimulating. Uh, that center is where I also started my scientific um, production. I started uh, producing papers, getting involved in uh, many fields of research. Um, and it really allowed me to uh, improve my expertise and come back to Italy, come back to Bambino Gesù Center with uh, something, I guess, something to share with my colleagues and something more to give uh, to our patients. Thank you. Thank you for sharing uh, this with us. And indeed, when I hear about your story a long time ago, it is almost impossible, unbelievable to, to think about living without internet. It is, it's a long time ago. Yes. Um, then I would like to ask the both of you, what was your most important lesson learned? I can say my first mentor taught me absolute scientific rigor in the diagnosis and treatment of arrhythmias and in evaluating one's results. He taught me that great results could only come from study and sacrifice. The second mentor, Dr. Galiotto Jr., taught me how to write a scientific work, a scientific paper, so that it's uh, helpful and clear for everyone. This is very important. He taught me to trust in my abilities and gave me the encouragement to continue working in the subject I loved, overcoming every difficulty and without ever giving up. I have learned many important lessons in my life, um, but I think I can say that the most important one is that you should never give up. When you have a goal in your life, you have a, to go for it, even through difficulty without backing up. I have always worked very hard, and I would say tirelessly to achieve the goals I had set for myself. Sometimes they seem so far away that it did not seem possible to reach them. However, 
I never lost heart. I always continue to work with passion without forgetting who I was and where I came from being a free man. In the end, all the effort put in, I ch changed my life, completely changed my life. I built a center where many young, willing and talented doctors work with passion uh, for this profession. I built a school. I can say I did it. That's all. Ilaria. Yes, thank you. Uh, I guess uh, I couldn't agree more to what uh, Dr. Drago just said. Um, earlier, I skipped to answer you about who was uh, my main mentor. I, I think I had a few of them. Probably uh, the most important one was a Professor uh, Zabin Erst, uh, amazing electrophysiologist, uh, truly a great person. And uh, even, uh, I don't know what, where the persons and when the professional electrophysiologists start, but uh, she really gave me many, many. Um, uh, life lessons. I think the most important thing that uh, I, I learned was uh, commitment, but also the, um, how can I say, maybe the humility to admit when you don't know something, when you, you need something taught in our, in our field is so important, having a mentor teaching you, explaining you, leading you through your uh, uh, everyday difficulties while um, practicing and uh, she taught me all this commitment uh, being a hard worker being a humile being always open to say uh, that you need uh, help of course she wasn't the only one as I already said at the Brompton uh, there are so many uh, people with whom you can discuss your ideas, uh, how you think you can manage uh, um, a patient's care. And from each and every one of them, I've uh, learned a lot. I mean, one name among all, Professor Gazzulis, the chief of the adult congenital department, uh, another um, doctor and professor so dear to me. Um, I guess that... Um, Dr. Drago said the most. Uh, I mean, you never stop learning. You never stop uh, surprising yourself about uh, um, uh, how much uh, can be uh, this how much challenging this professor can be. So um, I'm still learning. I have to admit that uh, I'm still learning so far. Great. Um, then we have some different topics. Um, Fabrizio, can you tell us about your favorite sport? Uh, that's a problem. My favorite sport is rugby, but everyone <laughs> knows this because I always talk about it. Uh, even during conferences and symposiums and congresses, and at the end of my talks, there is always a final rugby slide just to uh, to tell them story. Rugby has always been my first passion. When you are a rugby player, you still remain rugby player for your entire life. I have been a rugby player for many years and played in the Italian professional rugby league for 15 years. I still play touch rugby with some friends. 
for some old, very old friends. And safer version, we can say. I can say that this support has truly been a very important formative element in my life. It was a, second, a school of, of life. I taught me lessons about sacrifice, commitment, and what it means to be part of a team where even the bold, smallest detail can determine a victory or default. And if you think about it, it's not a, that different from the team of doctors who have to save the life of a child, for example. Yes. It's a it's a big passion, I hear. And um, Ilaria, what is your favorite sport? Yeah, um, uh, I have to say that I quite like rugby uh, as well, but uh, it's not really my thing, you know, as a, as a girl. Uh, even if I went in London, uh, I used to go to the pub to watch some uh, very good rugby match with um, Professor Shore. Uh, amazing cardiothoracic surgeon uh, there who was a rugby player himself as well but I, uh, I have to say that my favorite sport is definitely basketball i was a basketball player um, likewise uh, dr drago's wife uh, if i well remember so maybe that's why we get along quite well maybe <laughs> yes, yes my, my wife is a, was a, a real basketball player yeah, I would say basketball, and um, I really would uh, would enjoy to go to watch some NBA match with your wife. Maybe we can arrange. Yes, <laughs> we can arrange that. Yes. Very nice. And uh, and your favorite holiday destination? Do you share that as well, or do you have something completely different? I don't know, but for me, it's Maldives. I do not think this hour needs any comment, I think. Uh, silence, sun, sea, white beaches, and nice coconut in a place where the phone, the cellular phone, does not work. This is the, <laughs> the problem. What more could you want from life? And this is my favorite. Also Greece. I, I have to admit, also Greece, for the same reasons. Yes, it sounds like holiday. And and uh, Ilaria? Yeah, to some extent uh, I agree, at least uh, to one of uh, Dr. Drago's um, uh, sentence, a place where your mobile, center, uh, your mobile phone doesn't work. <laughs> but I'm a little bit more active, so I like, um, I like to think uh, to go to, um, I don't know, Peru rather than Nepal. Uh, I love climbing, you know. And uh, I, I need this kind of uh, activities over my holidays, which, as you may um, guess, are not really relaxing. So sometimes I just come back from my holidays much, much more tired than that, uh, how I was before leaving. But I love that. Mentally is great. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you so much both for your uh, answers and, and, and uh, this podcast recording. And also thanks to our listeners for being with us today. And uh, I hope to meet you next week again. Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye, thank everyone. Thank you. Goodbye.